It's my honor to introduce uh, Pastor Ben Calloway. He's been, been with us many times. Uh, excellent preacher. I'm excited about him this morning. And not only excellent preacher, but the sharpest dressed preacher you're ever going to find. And uh, so y'all give it up for Apostle Calloway. Come on, clap your hands and praise the Lord this morning. Take your seats, if you will. I don't dress as sharp as Justin, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But God bless you all this morning. We're grateful to be with you uh, once again here at Grace Point. Um, my wife and I call home. I'm glad to have my wife, Tan, with me this morning. Y'all clap your hands and give us some love. And I am appreciative to uh, Apostle Dale for extending this opportunity to me to preach um, this morning. And we um, say happy anniversary again to them. I know they had an anniversary on last week, and they are celebrating. So let's give them some love. This is going to be on tape, so let's let them know how much we love them. And we appreciate them. Um, I do want to mention before I go into the message, I do um, have a few copies of my book left that I released back in April um, entitled Deeper Awareness, a Framework for Progressive Spirituality. I have about seven copies left, so um, if you want to purchase a copy, you can see uh, my wife um, after service, and that's for a $20 love gift. So I got seven copies, so I want to leave here bookless today. All right. Now, I want to um, invite your attention to one passage of Scripture uh, found in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5. And I'm entitling this message today, I'm looking for a miracle. I'm looking for a miracle. Does anybody still believe the Lord for miracles in 2017? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, He, referring to the Lord Jesus, therefore who ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Touch somebody next to you and tell them, I'm looking for a miracle. I said, tell them like you really believe that. Let's pray. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that as the word of the Lord goes forth, that the Holy Spirit will navigate and negotiate miracles in the lives of your people. Let us reach out in faith, and may you release your miracle-working power in this atmosphere. And we praise you and give you thanks for what is about to transpire. And we bless you and we honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen. Now, there are several terms that can be descriptive of a miracle, but I just want to begin um, with this particular term, and that a miracle is power in action, a work of supernatural origin and character, such as cannot be produced by natural agents and means, as a sign of divine authority. You know, miracles are a part of the gospel. 
the good news of God's saving grace that has been afforded to us by the death and shed blood of Jesus Christ. And as a result, being born again and becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus is the greatest of all miracles, which we know as the new birth. And with our salvation comes a multitude of promised blessings that are miraculous in nature. We worship a supernatural God who is our heavenly father. We have a supernatural savior who is Jesus the Christ. And we are indwelt with a supernatural presence, which is the Holy Spirit, who guides us in all truth, scripturally and spiritually, for our life's journey from beginning to end. And even as we read the Gospels, we know that miracles were integrated into the ministry of Jesus along with his preaching and teaching. And he did that to authenticate the power of God operating in his life. And most importantly, that he had been sent by God the Father. Jesus brought miracles into full effect as he brought closure to the old covenant and brought us into the new covenant. And the miracles that we read about under the old covenant, they were types and shadows of Christ who was to come. And Acts 2 and 22, it says, Jesus, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you. And even when Nicodemus had his encounter with Jesus, he had to admit not only on his behalf, but on behalf of those he had been sent by. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Because no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. And even when the New Testament church was birthed into existence by the Holy Spirit, it has its origin in miracles with multiplied thousands being born again, healings, deliverances, and believers being able to speak in other tongues, languages supernaturally that they had not learned to speak, to share the gospel with men and women of other nations. And those tongues end up being dubbed as the wonderful works of God. Even when the Lord would use Peter and use Paul as well as Stephen, as well as Philip, to perform miracles to those who needed to see the supernatural power of God in demonstration by healing the sick and raising the dead by the light. And by the time Paul came and he wrote in 1 Corinthians 12 and 28, he speaks of the working of miracles and the gifts of healings as spiritual gifts that should be discovered, developed, and deployed in the life of the church. And I believe that God wants the church locally as well as globally to return to and rely upon the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit like never before. And, and it is our responsibility to create and foster an environment of exercising faith in God's word through prayer and belief and making declaration of God's word so miracles can be exercised and manifested in the midst of the Lord's people. And at 6 and 8, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. 
Acts 8 and 6 says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, seeing and hearing the miracles which he did. Acts 19 and 11 says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. You know, I believe that the New Testament is still being written. That in, 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 in other words, it needs to be written, it needs to be recorded, it needs to be in the annals of history that God used you to be able to perform a miracle in somebody else's life. We've read about Peter, we've read about Paul, we've read about Stephen, we've read about Philip, but it's time for somebody to read about you. It's time for somebody to read about you on the internet. It's time for somebody to read about you in the newspaper. It's time for somebody to read about you on Facebook because you operated in the power of the Holy Ghost to make sure that somebody else receives the miracle working power of God in their own lives. Tell somebody and tell them we need miracles. We are aware that systems will fail us. We are aware that people will constantly fail and disappoint us from day to day. And as a result, we have heart trouble. But Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. That word troubled means to be agitated by allowing your emotions to run to and fro. To cause inward commotion, to take away calmness of mind, to make you restless or to be anxious or distressed, where your spirit has been struck with fear and dread, to be perplexed in your mind by doubt. And people are often concerned about things that are happening in our world internationally, as well as situations that are occurring in your own life. Situations in your home, situations on your job, your marriage, your family, your health, your finances, the church, as well as every single solitary concern you may have in your life. And I understand that there are some situations that we're facing that's only a job for God. I'm going to say that again. There are some situations that we're all facing in our lives that is only a job for God. You're at the end of your rope. You've gone as far as you can go. You've done all you know how to do. Who you know and what you know won't get it done this time. How the outcome occurred the last time, it won't be that way this time. But you need a supernatural, extraordinary, heaven-sent, divine intervention from God. And I'm here to let you know today that God, he specializes in things that seem impossible. And that he can do what no other power can do. And with men, your situation may be impossible. But Jesus said, but not with God. Because with God, all things are possible. And if you can believe... All things are possible to him that believes. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, believe in God and believe also in me. The Holy Spirit is the Jesus of today. That word believe means to think to be true, place confidence in a conviction and a trust. It's time for us to raise our level of expectation, raise our level of awareness, and look to God by making the declaration, I'm looking for a miracle. In other words, I am turning 
my eyes toward the Lord. I'm going to get my eyes off the things that I see, and I'm going to start focusing on the things that I can't see. Because Paul said that the things that we see are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We've got to learn to get our eyes on Jesus. Paul said, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, where your attention goes, that's where your energy flows. If you keep looking at your trouble, you're going to keep having trouble. But when you start looking at the troubleshooter, Jesus knows how to shoot down your trouble. Somebody ought to give God praise in this place if you believe that a miracle is coming to your house. And as I look toward the Lord, who is in heaven, I will follow the direction of his spirit while I'm in the earth. And I don't know how God is going to do it. But I'm here to tell you today, the how is none of your business. Don't focus on the how, but just focus on knowing that God is going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know where he's going to do it. I don't know who he's going to do it through. But all I know is that I put myself in a position of faith. And sooner or later, God is going to step on the scene. And he's going to fix everything in my life. And that he's going to work everything out for my good. And you know why God is going to do it? Because I know where my faith is. My faith is in God who gave it to me. See, because the giver of the faith is also the object of the faith. That's why Jesus said, have faith in God. It's kind of like um, if you're going to play basketball and the goal is before you and you got the ball in your hand, the ball is not going to automatically go in the goal just because you have it in your hand. You have to make your effort to shoot the ball. <laughs> because when you make, and, and not only just shoot it, but you have to shoot it with an aim to get it in the goal. You know, I've played basketball over the years, and, you know, some people, they, when, they're, when they're shooting the ball, they're not even looking toward the goal. They're throwing it in the opposite direction. Hit you on the head, hit you in the shoulder, hit you in the back. But if you're going to get that ball in the goal, you've got to make sure you have the right aim. You've got to be looking at the goal so you can release the ball to put in the goal. See, the basketball is your faith. God is the goal. And you've got to aim your faith in the direction of God and you've got to release your faith toward God. And knowing that when you put your faith in God, that God will release his power on your behalf. Now, looking at this text today in Galatians 3 and 5, Paul poses a rhetorical question. And when a question is rhetorical... It's not asked, designed to seek an answer because the answer is obvious. But the question is asked simply to make a point. 
These believers were saved under Paul's ministry as he preached and taught the gospel of grace. And after he established this region of churches, moved on to other apostolic church plants, there were Judaizers of false teachers that came in to this culturally diverse church of Jews and Gentiles to convince the believers that they had to revert back to practicing the law of Moses when they were born again without the works of the law. Which lets us know that salvation is not about regression, but it is about progression. That is not about moving backward, but it's about moving forward. So what Paul does, he poses this question to remind them to remember exactly how they were saved and exactly how God had previously demonstrated miracles in their lives. So he asked them the question, he said, he therefore who ministers to you the spirit and works miracles among you, how does he do it? Does he do it by the works of the law? Or does it transpire by the hearing of faith? So he poses the question as straight as he can. How were you saved? How did you receive the Holy Spirit in order to be born again? How did you experience the miracle-working power of God in operation in your life. It didn't come by joining the church or being baptized or attending church or having perfect attendance or engaging in any good works that you can muster up in your own strength and power. Because salvation is a gift you receive, not a paycheck that you earn. So it said he, Jesus, through the person of the Holy Spirit ministers to you the Spirit to furnish, supply, and present fully and abundantly. And when a man or woman confesses, believes, and receives Jesus as Lord of their lives, the Holy Spirit comes and makes his abode in the life of that believer. And as a result, he indwells them and seals that believer for the entirety of their spiritual journey on earth. So they say, how were you saved? How did you receive the entrance of the Holy Spirit? How did you experience the miracle-working power of God being exerted or demonstrated in your life? The miracle-working power of God to be operative or to put forth supernatural power, to display one's divine activity. And one Greek term for miracles is energino in Greek from what we derive the English word energy, which is a manifestation of God that's effective or results producing. Then we have another Greek word for, for miracles, which, which is dunamis. From what we get the English word dynamite, which is unrestrained power. Delegated power for the supernatural, divine, and extraordinary above the laws of nature to authenticate God's authority in a person's life. And once the miracle-working power is released in an atmosphere wherever faith is present, the fact that it is unrestrained and that it is delegated and that it is specifically designed, once it is released, 
it cannot be retrieved. Because your faith has already qualified you to be a recipient of God's miracle-working power. It's a sign, it's a wonder, it's a token of the hand of God. Say, he who works miracles among you. You know what that tells me? God will perform miracles in the company of believing believers right where you are. Isn't it good to know that you don't have to go to a miracle crusade for a certain televangelist to lay hands on you and pray for you? Now, I'm not knocking that because I know there are many that have the, the gifts of healing and the working of miracles. But I'm talking about right here and right now, you don't have to go nowhere to get what you need from God because what you need from God is already in the house. And God already has preachers on duty that can lay hands on you and pray for you and help you get the same result. But it doesn't come by the works of the law. It comes by the hearing of faith. And that's why Paul said in Romans 10 and 17, so then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. In other words, you have to hear what God can do in order to know what God can do. And the Holy Spirit only operates through the instrument of faith. You have to believe for a miracle in order to receive a miracle. And this is such an important principle. It is what we expose our faith to that causes our faith to expand. See, that's why people that have faith, they need to be in a church like this because a church like this, it expands your faith. Because it gives you an opportunity to be exposed to things that you're normally not exposed to in a lot of churches so your faith can expand. Because it's bad when you go to a church and you never see the power of God in operation. What that does, what it does, it retracts or it shrinks your faith because your faith has nothing to invest in. Because if the market is not moving, if the, if the market is not flowing and the market is not profitable, you're going to keep your money in your pocket. But, but wherever profits are moving, wherever stocks are moving, you want to get in the flow of the movement. So as in the natural, so in the spiritual. When I go to church, I want to invest my faith where the spirit is moving. Where the word of God is being preached, where miracles are being demonstrated, where lives are being changed. And whenever the river of God's spirit is flowing, that's why you got to have faith and you got to step in. You can't get in a toe at a time, but you got to take your shoes and your socks off and you've got to dive in so you can get everything that God wants you to have. So once your faith is properly exposed, then your faith can be properly expanded. When you make a decision, you know what? I'm going to stretch out. I'm going to step out 
I'm going to believe God. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to do something that I've never done before in order for me to receive what I've never received before. Somebody ought to clap your hands and praise him today. You have to believe for a miracle to receive a miracle because your natural efforts and ingenuity is limited. It's faith in God that activates the supernatural power of God. Somebody may ask, what is faith? Faith is obedient action to God's word. Not yielding to outward circumstances or inward human reasoning. And God's lavish supply of the spirit wasn't the outcome of law keeping, but faith in Christ. You know, and I found out something. Whenever, most of the time, whenever Jesus performed a miracle in somebody's life in the Gospels, they always had to break a rule to get a miracle. Because after Jesus would perform a miracle, here come the Pharisees. They say he broke a law because he, he, he performed a miracle on the Sabbath day. So what Jesus would do, he would have the individual to obey his instructions to receive the miracle so it wouldn't look like Jesus broke a law. And ceremony because think about it ritual and ceremony cannot bring forth any miracles or produce any spiritual results any person whoever received a miracle from the Lord they had to exercise their faith in the supernatural and it required them to do something that they had never done before and can I tell you God often wants to interrupt our plans so he can intervene his plans. The supply of the spirit is continuous and ongoing so we can live the supernatural life as our faith remains anchored in Christ. So as I close this message, I want to leave with you today three ways you can receive a miracle from God. Three ways you can receive a miracle from God. And they're, and they're very simple. Three ways you can receive a miracle from God. Number one is participatory movement. Participatory movement. And what I mean by that is God will never give you a miracle without your participation. There has to be active involvement or personal engagement on your part. You and God have to work in partnership. Can I tell you, miracles are promised, but they're not automatic. They require faith God has given you in exchange for blessings he's promised you. A miracle always involves receiving and obeying an instruction. The reason why Jesus would always give somebody an instruction 
before a miracle was manifested on their behalf, he did that to get their focus off of their problem. <laughs> and get their focus on the solution. And whatever instruction he will give you to do is always something that you're capable of doing within your own ability. Jesus will say things like, stand forth, stretch forth your hand, rise, take up your bed and walk, fill the water pots with water, draw now to the governor of the feast, Lazarus come forth, make the men sit down, go to the pool of Siloam and wash, damsel I say unto you, arise, go show yourselves to the priests. All of these are instructions that these men and women had the ability to do. And I want to tell you something else. The reason why participatory movement is a requirement for you to receive a miracle from God, that is because Jesus never prayed to the Father to give somebody a miracle. I never read it in the Gospels. He never prayed to the Father, oh, Father, please give this woman a miracle. Please give this man a miracle. Jesus didn't have to do that. The reason why he didn't have to do it is because he used the authority he had already been given by God the Father. And all he had to do was pronounce and declare what would be because he was God in the earth. Not only did it happen with Jesus, but it also happened with the apostles. When the man was lame and couldn't walk, when he was sitting in front of the temple, wanted them to throw coins in his cup, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give out of thee. He didn't say father, he said in the name. You got to learn to use your authority. You've already been authorized. You've already been deputized. You, you're already bona fide. You're already certified. You're already qualified by the Holy Ghost to help authorize and to be able to manifest miracles in somebody else's life. You don't have to say, Father, in the name of Jesus. You can just say, in the name of Jesus. That's what Peter told the man. He said, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand, and the Bible says he lifted him up. And when he lifted him up, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Because Peter could have tried to pull the man up, and the man could have allowed his weight to stay on the ground because he didn't want to get up. But that man made up his mind, I'm not going to be sitting in front of the church for the rest of my life asking somebody for change to keep up my habit. But now that the man of God has operated in his authority and let me know that he had been sent by Jesus to minister to my need for this day, if he can help pull me up, then I can help myself get up. Listen, I'm not here to do it for you today. I'm just here to help pull you up. So if I can help pull you up, you ought to make up your mind. Since the preacher here to, to help pull me up, the least thing I can do is help get myself up. And when you help get yourself up, then God will give you your miracle. Participatory movement. You're actively involved in the process, and you're willing to change location and position if necessary.
You know why? Some miracles won't come to you, but you have to go where the miracles are. And somebody realized that today. That's why they came to 2206 East Hill Avenue. Because I mean, you know, you had to drive past a lot of places to get here today. Because you have to know where your miracles are. You have to move out of your comfort zone doing what you've always done because God wants to break your ritual, routine, and religious habit so the faith in you can cause you to be what you've never been so you can do what you've never done so you can have what you never had. Because everything you've done normal still isn't working for you. Everything you've done normal. You can't be stuck in the same rut and wonder why nothing has changed. Miracles require you to make necessary changes so you can receive necessary blessings. So that's the first way you receive a miracle is participatory movement. Secondly, is precise mastery. Precise mastery. Anything that's marked by exactness and accuracy of expression and detail. Now, a miracle isn't yours for the asking, it's yours for the receiving. Why would God allow the working of miracles to be a spiritual gift in the church and we have to pray for something he's already set in the church? Because he said it in 1 Corinthians 12 and 28, and God has set some in the church. First, and that word set in the Greek means to lie outstretched. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles. See, because the apostle and the prophet and the teacher, they have to instruct you on how to receive your miracle. And that's, that, that's why the miracle is in the wings and say, I'd be glad when the apostle, the prophet, and the teacher get through teaching so I can step on the scene. Because if you, if you know it, then the miracle will show it. Precise mastery. So, Miracles aren't yours for the asking but for the receiving, but you have to possess and lay hold of what you know is yours. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and let you know that it's your time based on your most urgent need and subsequent acts of obedience. And God, listen, God doesn't give everyone a miracle in the same fashion. He healed me, he healed me and that were blind, for example. One, he spit on the ground and made clay, anointed his eyes, told him to go wash. Another, he laid hands on. So the point is, don't get stuck on how the Lord performed a miracle for somebody else that had a need similar to yours. Thinking the way the Lord gave them a miracle is how God going to give you a miracle. Now, you can rejoice in what God did for somebody else, but don't get in your mind that the Lord would do it for you the exact same way. Because he's a God of variety. Because you can only receive from the Lord what you have faith to believe for at the time. And once you follow the Lord's instructions for that miracle and it manifests, take it. Tell somebody and tell them, take it. 
is yours. And when you take it and lay hold to it, then you praise God for it. So in order for you to receive a miracle from God, it involves participatory movement, precise mastery. Thirdly and finally, it's proper management. Proper management. You have to learn to do what's suitable and appropriate with the miracle God gives you. In other words, when you manage your miracle, you take responsibility for it by being a good steward of what the Lord gave you. See, because miracles don't always come in the form of things, inanimate objects, but oftentimes miracles can come in the form of people. And you can't abuse or take it lightly or take it for granted because if you do, you will relapse on your miracle and you'll find yourself in the same shape before the miracle came. So when God heals your body, don't abuse your body and not focus on improving your nutrition and physical activity. Because if there were certain things that you were eating, look at, look at, how, you, look at how they're looking at me, Maxie. In other words, if there were certain things that you were doing that created the illness, once God heals you, don't go back to those things. If God will bless you with miracle money to get your bills paid, don't you take that money and go shopping with it. Oh, I really struck a nerve right there. <laughs> I can remember one time, my wife and I, we were living in Douglas. We lived in Douglas for 10 years, from 1996 2006. And we got married in 1995. So we had been married for about a year. I was a, a front-end supervisor at Kmart. My wife wasn't working at the time, and we were living in an apartment, and I had all the bills paid for the month, but I didn't have the money for the utility bill. And in 1996, our rent on a one-bedroom apartment was $247. Lord, if I could pay $247 now. <laughs> so I, I just didn't have the money to pay my utility bill. And I was working the service desk at Kmart, and I was praying. I was like, Lord, you know, I need the money. I just moved here. I really don't know anybody. You know, um, you know I don't want to ask my dad for the money again. I said, Lord, I need you to perform a miracle for me. And so after, y'all not going to believe this, but after I prayed the prayer, almost 30 seconds later, there was a pastor that, that walked in Kmart by the name of Pastor Jimmy Stewart. He's still just like the, the, the old actor. He got the old actor's name, Jimmy Stewart. He come through those doors, and he walked up to the service desk. He said, Brother Calloway, how you doing? I said, fine. And, you know, we just got to chatting. 
and he stuck his hand in his coat pocket. He said, Brother Calloway, he said, for some reason, the Lord told me to give you this. He went out the door. And so I was trying to make sure that nobody wasn't coming to the service there. So I looked this way and I looked that way. And I opened the envelope. And the envelope had the exact dollar amount down to the penny of what my utility bill was. Now listen, that may not mean anything to you in 2017, but Matt said that meant a lot to me in 1996. And, and I began to have church at the service desk. Now, I didn't go to the bank and cash that check, and then we went out and had dinner. I went to the utility company, and I paid the bill. So, in other words, when God gave me the miracle, I managed it. If the Lord will miraculously bless you with a job that you need, and there were other candidates that were more qualified and had more education, has that ever happened to anybody? But God, but God gave you the job. Since you know that it's a miracle and people are still eyeballing you up and down, wondering how in the world you are there. They may not know as God, but you know as God. But the fact that God did it for you, don't be late for work. Don't be a slacker. You're supposed to be working and you on your phone. Leave, leave, the, leave the phone in the glove compartment in the car. You at work to work. Uh-oh. So if, if you know the Lord blessed you with that job, don't be a slacker. Do your job to the best of your ability. Operate in a spirit of excellence because you know that you have been divinely assigned there by God. That, that, that he overlooked this person and this person and this person and this person. He said, you, that's right, you. I want you to be in this place. And, and when you understand the impact of your presence in a place, and it was due to the miraculous power of God, you'll learn to manage your miracle. Lastly, let me say this, and we're going to pray. God will eliminate from your life what you refuse to appreciate in your life. God will eliminate from your life what you refuse to appreciate in your life. In other words, when you don't learn to manage your miracle, that miracle will be eliminated if you don't appreciate it. When you are just conscious and cognizant of the fact that God did this. Let me give you some scripture on that. John, John chapter 5, verse 14. Remember when Jesus healed the man that was at the pool of Bethesda. He was by the pool for 38 years. And after Jesus healed the man, the religious leaders had issues with, you know, Jesus doing it because it was the Sabbath. But Jesus found the man in, in the temple after that. And, you know, when God gives you a miracle, going back to church is a good place to be. 
Because you need to go there and praise God with other believers of what God did. But, but make sure you know how to praise them alone while you're at home. See, because sometimes you get to church and folk be hating because God blessed you. Some of them drunk haterade before they came to church, ate hater chips. They were eating a hate burger before they got to church. And they wonder why you praising God and they eyeballing you up and down like you don't have a right to praise God. Let me tell you something. You don't know what the Lord did for me. But, but if, I, if I share with you what God did for me, you ought to be praising God for me too. Listen, it may not be your time, but if you learn to praise God when he does something for somebody else, you know what? God may speed your miracle up. Because you're willing to praise God that he did something in somebody else's life, God say, okay, they're, they're not a player hater. They, they, they're hating the game. They're not hating the player. So God say, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pull them up. See, I don't mind being next in the checkout line because I know the person in front of me, they can't stay there forever. They've got to pay for their stuff, get their bags, and get up out of there. And as soon as they do it, it's my time. That's when I step up. And, you know, I'm the type of person, I don't know, I may have a little touch of OCD. I don't know, Maxie. I don't know. But one of my, one of my pet peeves is when I'm in the checkout line, I believe in the two-feet rule. You know how sometimes you're in the checkout line and somebody's standing so close behind you, you can feel their breath on your neck? I'm just confessing, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with <laughs> I mean, people stand so close to you in the line that if you turn around, you may kiss them by mistake. I'm like, come on, bro, can you back up a little bit? But here's something that people will do. Even though they may be that close, while you're in the process of purchasing your things, they start putting their things on the counter. When you know you're next and somebody else is getting ready to check out, put your faith on the counter. I was in John. I don't know how I got on the rest of that stuff. Thank you, brother. John 5 and 14, Jesus told him, he said, Behold, you are made whole. He said, Sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. You know what Jesus meant by that? Jesus implied that there had to be some bad choices the man made. That was the root cause of his impotence. So what Jesus was telling him, he said, now that you've been made whole, don't go back and make bad choices. Because those bad choices will put you in a worser state than what you were in before you received the miracle. 
So only good choices are proof that you can manage your miracle. So if God, so if it takes God giving faith to obtain a miracle, it takes God giving faith to maintain a miracle. Now, I don't believe in magic. The only magic I believed in was Irvin Magic Johnson when he played with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I don't believe in magic, but I believe in miracles that are the supernatural interventions of God. And God will perform miracles in my life, my wife's life, my children's life. So we know about miracles. And I know this church knows about miracles. I, I have been in this church and seen miracles manifested. So, so this is not something that should be uncommon to us, but I believe that the Holy Spirit wanted me to preach this today to begin to stir your faith so we can get back into the flow of what we already know. We know magic is an illusion, sleight of hand, but a miracle is indescribable. Magic involves tricks, but miracles involve truth. The gospel group, the Clark Sisters, they wrote a song. Might have been the late 70s. They said, I'm looking for a miracle. I expect the impossible. I see the invisible. I feel the intangible. And they said, the sky is the limit to what I can have. And that if you believe it and receive it, God will perform it today. Did y'all hear what I just said? If you believe it <laughs> and receive it, God will perform it today. And then they go on in the bridge of the song. They said, I expect the miracle every day and that God will make a way out of no way. Is anybody looking for a miracle? Come on, clap your hands and praise him today. Stand to your feet. I'm finished. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come and we're going to pray and we're going to believe God for miracles at this moment. And of course, as we mentioned in the outset of the message that the greatest miracle of all is the born-again experience. And if you're not born again and never received Jesus as Lord of your life, you can come today, one of these elders, one of these men and women, they'll pray with you and help lead you into a saving knowledge of Christ. And the fact that you will have Jesus, the Son of God to begin to live on the inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the greatest miracle of all. And there are others of you today, you may need a miracle for healing, a, a miracle for deliverance, a miracle for financial blessing, a miracle for family restoration, whatever the need is. I'm here, these elders are here, these men and women are here. They're here to pray for you and believe God for your miracle because God wants to demonstrate himself on your behalf. He wants you to know that his power is still real. 
and that he's ready, willing, and able to invade your circumstances and allow his strength to be manifest in your life. And if you want to come today, the altar is open for you to come at this time. Is there, any, is there a lady here today, your name is Melinda? Anybody here named Melinda or have a middle name Melinda or know somebody by the name of Melinda? Are you here? Where are you, Melinda? I saw somebody point. Are you here, Melinda? Are you here? Come on. Listen, I was in the bathroom praying last night at 7 o'clock, and the Lord told me, Keith, when I got here today, to pray for a woman named Melinda. Isn't the Lord awesome? You're Melinda. Melinda's your sister. Where, where, where does she live? Okay. You're, you're the mother. I know, I know that's why the Lord told me to pray for a woman named Melinda. And the Lord used me in the prophetic, but when he reveals names to me, that's, a, that's an entirely different realm. I want you to stand in for Melinda today. And I want you to get a copy of the CD. And I want you all to send it to Melinda. Okay, you, okay. All right, we're good, we're good. Savannah's one of my favorite places in all the world because both of my daughters were born in Savannah. And, and my baby girl, she's 11 years old, she's up to my shoulders now. That's how tall she's getting. Her middle name is Savannah. But I want y'all to take that tape to her, get a CD today, and y'all let her listen to it. And, and God is gonna bring about um, healing, and wholeness in her life. Can y'all ladies, can y'all come a little closer? We're going we gonna to pray. Now, now, what is your name? Melissa and Melinda. That's, that's wonderful. What's your name, ma'am? Nina. Okay. Melissa is standing in for her sister today. And we're going to believe God to meet that need and give her a miracle in her life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this mother and this daughter responding to the voice of your spirit that you spoke to me last night at seven o'clock and I pray for Melinda right now and I ask Lord that as I lay my hands upon Melissa that you will lay your hands upon Melinda right now and that you will touch her in her body her mind and her spirit that the power, the miracle-working, supernatural, divine, heaven-sent power of the Holy Spirit will saturate her body now from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, and that you will remove hurt, that you will remove 
pain, that you will remove misery, that you will remove agony, and that you will make her whole right now in the name of Jesus. And that you will do a supernatural work, and that you will give her a testimony. I thank you for the faith of her sister. I thank you for the faith of her mother today that is standing in, as interceding, as we pray and as these elders pray today. We praise you today for the outcome of what you're going to do in her life. And we rejoice today in manifesting yourself on her behalf in Jesus' name. Somebody ought to rejoice in the Lord today. Bless you all. Bless you all. Y'all let me know how it goes, okay? Anyone else? Anyone else? If you want prayer today for any need in your life, God is a miracle worker. Anyone else?
May the Lord bless each of you today. May the Lord bless you. May his grace be with you today.